Hello, and welcome to Fresh Press for April 21st, 2020. I'm Gabe. And I'm Andrew. This is a show about music where we talk about new tunes, and that's it. Andrew, we have some special guests on the show. We do. Who are they? I don't know. Okay. I would like to reintroduce our listeners to the wonderful Soraya Perry. Hello. And we also have on the show for the first time, Rachel Palmeyer. Hello. These are two music aficionados and wonderful artists in their own right who will be joining us for a selection of deliciously new grooves on today's episode. This is so incredibly formal. I cannot believe that this is <laughs> happening like this. But really well, well, rec- well performed. Okay, well, good. That's good. Because this is the first time that Soraya or Rachel are hearing this show. Neither of you listen to our show? I sometimes listen. I have listened to your show <laughs> before. <laughs> I'm listening to it right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> yes, I have listened to your show. And I have listened to all the parts that feature me. We're doing the show in this specific format this week for a very special reason, because today, as you are listening, it is the birthdays of Andrew and Rachel. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Soraya and I would try and sing a rendition of Happy Birthday, but it's pretty difficult to sync that up properly across uh, Discord. (laughs) Bummer. You guys are missing out. Bummer. We are missing out. So I think we should just jump right into some music, uh, because that's what this show is all about. Yeah, uh, we should clarify, we're not doing a theme this week, we're just doing four new tunes, because there's four of us, and we didn't want this show to be two hours long. It's still probably going to be long. It's going to be way too long, but you're going to enjoy it. So, Soraya, you've been here before, you know how this whole thing works a little (laughs) bit better, so why don't we start with you? Sure. Soraya, what wonderful new song did you bring to share with the three of us? The song that I brought to share with you guys is called Pass By Me. It is by Buddy and Kent Jams, and it is off of a new album called Jank Tape Volume 1. She had all the windows down Hair blowing in the sun When she passed by me When she passed by me I love this song. I'm a big fan of Buddy in general. This is my favorite song on this new album. I want to say that uh, we we um, always make a point to to uh, recognize uh, good band or artist names and also good album names. And I think we have at least two with Kent Jams, which is J-A-M-Z, and Jank Tape Volume 1. <laughs> Do you think the album title would be as good if it were just jank tape? Or do you think that the volume one is really important there? Volume one is very important. I think the volume one is incredibly important, yeah. I agree. I just wanted to get some consensus on the point. Also, the uh, album cover features a Power Ranger helmet, which is fun. Really? (laughs) Yeah, in the corner above the parental advisory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... That's great. I didn't notice that. I I mean, I also really just like the artist name Buddy. Like, I think that's really Mm. great in and of itself. Yeah, really straightforward. (laughs) You know what you're getting. It's right on the tin. Yeah. 
I feel like he's very playful, and I really appreciate that about his music in general. But everything's also, like, very elegantly laid out, but there's just, like, a lot of um, playfulness. Like, on on this album, there's a song called Burberry Party. That's its title. But in the song, he pronounces it Burberry. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, like, very fun and funny. And the line is, like, at the Burberry Party. At the Burberry party. And it's just, like, very... Um, <laughs> it's just, like, perfect. It's It, like, has a perfect effect, and it sounds great. But, yeah, and, and I think that you see that in Pass By Me. First of all, it's just, like, a groove. It's just a really fun song. But then I was... I uh, really loved, like, and immediately noticed how, in my opinion... Maybe people can back me up on this, but I think this is truth. Uh, the bass line on this song is like a little flat like it sounds like they recorded it and then in post like t- detuned it like just a little bit which uh is really cool and again just like feels like an element of playfulness or variation or surprise on an otherwise like very clean and neat song and I appreciate that. I think you're right about the bass line. I did notice it being like a little bit off. And I enjoyed the contrast like between that line and also kind of like the groovy, funky synths. And also, uh, Andrew and I have been discussing like good and bad uses of auto-tune. Mm, yeah. And this song is a, an example of a good use of auto-tune. And the contrast between like intentionally perfectly tuning the voice and slightly detuning the bass is very fun yeah it is very fun Soraya, how did you find, how did you discover this artist? I think I, so there is contention about this because my roommate has told me that they introduced me to Buddy many years ago and apparently I didn't like him. (laughs) I have no (laughs) recollection of this. Um, But apparently I was like, oh, okay. Like was very um, tepid about whatever was shown to me. Um, But that was before buddy's like most recent or second to most recent now um album harlan and alondra which is like much more extensive than that ep that i was initially shown um and i think it came across one of the songs trouble on central oh i heard it in an episode this song by buddy trouble on central in an episode of insecure and uh like immediately was like what is this incredible song went to Trouble on Central, listened to it over and over and over again, eventually listened to the entire album, really enjoyed it. And now Jake Tape is here. That's a good enough origin story for me. Do you, do you know anything <laughs> about the artist? Can you provide any biographical notes for our insatiable listeners? I don't know much. I've done research on him before, but honestly, I've forgotten a lot of it. I know that he's quite young, um, or at least looks very young. But I'm pretty sure he started recording and, like, putting out music at a very young age, um, which is cool. That's all I can tell you right now. (laughs) 
All I know is that he's cute and great. So this song is of a class of of songs um, that I like to call Saw Cute Girl Today songs. Where it's like, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> there's, there's nothing like really to the plot of the song. It's just like, I, I saw a woman with my eyes today and she was attractive. <laughs> and that's the entirety of the song. <laughs> but what I like about this, because that can sometimes get, like, it can easily get gross. It can also get just boring. It's sort of like telling someone about your dream, you know, and it, it doesn't, nobody cares. Like, it's just like, dude, okay, whatever. I don't care. Um, but this one I really like because of how, like, chill and, like, casual and groovy it is. It's not, like, focused on, like, I gotta tell you about this girl that I saw for 2.5 seconds. It's just, like, I was chilling, and I, I, I drove past this hot girl on the PCH. It was great. And that's it. That's another thing that I really like about this song is, like, I feel like there has been a whole new suite of, like, art artists releasing songs about the pch recently or just like being like like i've read a lot of i've had like i've read like two or three interviews of the artist being like this is the perfect song for when you're driving down the pch and like (laughs) each of them i've listened to and been like i would never want to drive down the pch and listen to this like you failed me you know and like this song i feel like finally did that highway justice like it looks like sounds good like i'm trying to roll i'm trying to like drive down the pch to this song you know so it captured that vibe in a way that other artists harry styles did not i think this is a great subject because i heard my first song about the pch probably from anderson pack before I had ever been to California or knew what the PCH was, and I had a vision mm. of what it would be. And then I went to Los Angeles for the first time, and Soraya, you helped drive me down the PCH for the first time, or up the PCH, I think it was. Whatever. Um, mm. And it was exactly as I imagined it. It's just, maybe it's difficult to explain how perfect that highway is. Like the whole length of Route 1 in California yeah. is gorgeous. So but perfect. You're when you're in the part that's in LA, it it feels like heaven. It does. Like you're in Eden in that moment and pass by me very it like deftly captures that whole picture of like the perfect blue skies and it's like in the low 80s with no humidity so the weather is literally perfect all the time and there's a light breeze and you're in a convertible and then you're just, you like you're driving to Malibu basically can you tell that Gabe misses California <laughs> I do too it's great I think it's very evoc it's a very evocative song in that way I get the chills my shed a tear, girl, I tell you, if nobody will, you're beautiful. And when the sun goes down after a while, I want you by me. Cuddle up on top of the money. Make it clap if you nasty. No, you nasty. Rachel, mm-hmm. what sweet new track did you bring this week for us? I chose Window by Still Woozy. If I got one thing right, it was you and me. While I go into the window so nobody sees. Pull me closer. 
Yeah, I have always, well, I guess since like, you know, two summers ago or whenever um, Still Woozy started, I don't really know when he got his uh, big break, but um, I remember he was in, featured in a Glossier commercial, and I really think that about sums <laughs> up the vibe of his music. <laughs> um, and I don't really mean this in a disrespectful way, but I do think Still Woozy is extremely easy listening. Um, I wouldn't call it pop necessarily, but um, extremely easy to listen to. Great driving music. Speaking of a nice drive, you know, it's uh, very easy to just get into a groove. And I feel like everything I'm saying sounds like a backhand of compliments. But I think (laughs) all of his songs sound similar enough that I know I'm going to like whatever he puts out. So I don't think it's... um, like his finest necessarily but i do think i'm gonna be listening to it like all summer so that's good you know from my house not at the beach or anything but um (laughs) be listening to this song very summery boppy i liked it yeah i would say this is uh, just like the pass by me just like pass by me this is also in that same summer like a summer drive sort of style I loved the guitar mm-hmm. on this song. Yeah, That's what really that stood out to me. It's just very, very catchy and well done. And there's like enough like bending of the notes to keep you like, so it's not just perfect, mm-hmm. but it is, but does make it really good, if that makes sense. Um, he's from Oakland, which is, you know, we're getting more California vibes in this episode than I think ever before. Yeah, and lyrics about windows. Another thing that we often talk about on this show, I, I feel like I have to explain myself every time I bring up one of these topics because uh, maybe some of the guests haven't heard our show before. Uh, but something that we talk about a lot is how artists classify their own genre. And I've just found this mm. excellent nugget on Genius, which says, uh, Still Woozy, uh, he works to combine electronic and acoustic elements to give his unique sound that he calls Woos. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not quite pop you're right rachel it's woos <laughs> it's woos yeah i'm yeah i'm gonna hold that and i'm gonna set it aside i think uh he, he does do everything himself he records mixes and produces everything from his garage slash studio so that's pretty cool mm, okay did he like sample something else in this song or was everything like he did it yes uh heard it through the grapevine is in here okay I, uh, on that note, I have been in my personal practice, like trying to experiment a lot more with, with, with samples and creating like some sort of mix of like a sample, um, and then using that as an instrumental track and layering like an actual, just like normal song on top of it, um, which obviously has been done for decades and decades, but I think it's like a very interesting, for me, it's a very new process and i've found it uh really interesting and so this song was a was just like a great example of an artist doing that very effectively of building like a track um using a sample and having that be really like its own very independent mix that you could listen to as an instrumental and then using it to create a whole other 
like layering on top of it like a like a trifle mm, like a trifle closer, please. i don't even need you to explain how much longer will you keep me on your chain too bad it's good or else i'd be gone So the, there's a person, looking at the credits on Spotify, um, there is a man named Barrett Strong who has the first writing credit, hmm. which I'm trying to figure out, is that because of a sample that's used or because Barrett Strong actually collaborated on the writing of, um, of Window? Uh, if you're not familiar with Barrett Strong, as I wasn't... Um, he is listed as the first artist to record a hit for the label Motown. Wow. Oh, I mean, does he have a writing credit on Herder Through the Grapevine? Because that's in, I mean. That's well, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, in the mid-1960s, Strong became a Motown writer-lyricist teaming with producer Norman Whitfield. Together, they wrote some of the most successful and critically acclaimed soul songs ever to be released by Motown, including, first example, I Heard It Through the Grapevine by both Marvin Gaye and Gladys Knight and the Pips. Okay, there you go. There we go. There you go. It bothers me to hear that this man feels that he's created his own genre of music called woos, <laughs> yes. hmm. because this man... Um, who's who I'm looking at photos of right now. His whose name is Sven, and he's just like the most average-looking white man you one of, you could ever meet. Um, like while this song is like really good, um, in a lot of ways, he's literally taking he's taking a Marvin Gaye song and he's taking a song written by this man Bear Strong. He's like remixed it, and then he's like created um like and then and he's and then he's like created a melody that was born of that tradition and it's not really like his own genre you know um and so i think that just like that's just something that i feel like needs to be said that like he is part of a larger culture of a lot of these kinds of dudes like creating variations on a genre that is much stronger than the music that they're making and then just like being like this is a new genre named after moi you know and it's just kind of like that is i don't know that just while this song is very good like it's important to be like it's good because he was taught by these people and he's even using their music in his song yeah and thank you for naming that soraya i do think this is low-key some like colonization in action right now um like with woos and this quote-unquote creation of a new genre um even though like i am listening to it and enjoying it i don't think it's like i don't really think this artist is like you know doing anything so new i think in general i prefer when an artist cites their influences and gives them due credit rather than trying to reappropriate that as an original creation right and all all art is based off of influence right everybody i think everybody's artistic style to some extent involves an enormous amount of of like creating a collage of influences that mm-hmm. that you've absorbed over the years through your own education right and yes, obviously that requires a lot of originality in the end project and a lot of creativity, but 
you owe you owe something to that as well i think as an artist yeah agreed if i got one thing right it was you and me so i'll go in so nobody sees pull me closer please i don't even need you to explain how much longer will you Andrew, do you want to tell us about your song for this week? Uh, the song that I have brought this week is entitled Runaway Dog by Retirement Party. Um, This is the title track from their upcoming album. Um, That'll be their second full length. It comes out, uh, I think, like May 15th. Uh, Retirement Party is a Chicago band that's been around for a little while. I have never heard of them, but I really enjoy this this track. I don't know what what everyone will think about this song in terms of its genre, but it is the genre that I've gotten into. I've sort of... I never got into emo as a teen right and this is not emo but this is but they were probably into emo as teens um this is like that like mm-hmm. sort of uh, this is the 2020 uh evolution of of that genre i think and now in 2020 i've gotten more into that evolution uh which is kind of strange because i was never into the the precursor to it and still i'm not <laughs> I would say this is definitely heading off of emo and, but I agree that the direction that I think that musical community has gone or the musical community that grew up on emo music has taken that genre is way more interesting than the original, (laughs) which isn't always the case, but um, here it's great. Um, Andrew, I fucking loved this song and I was shocked that you picked it. Really? Yeah, it's a little like rollicking for what I envision you to normally listen to. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm I I'm getting more rollicking with age. <laughs> <laughs> I, ro- I rollick more. Um the absolute highlight of this song for me is the drums. Yeah. Not just how they're played. Um I want to give a shout out to whoever the engineer was or the drum tech for the drums. Because they are mixed and recorded so well. They sound huge without being like overpowering, if that makes sense. Um, this might be apocryphal, but uh, there's a story about um, John Bonham, who was the drummer for Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. whose drums are famously enormous and awesome in Led Zeppelin songs, about how he used to intentionally crash the cymbals very lightly in the studio so that they could turn up the whole mix of the drums without the cymbals drowning everything out. And it created this huge sound. And that feels like, like I can hear the line from like the Led Zeppelin drum sound to the, the drums on, on Runaway Dog.
so Retirement Party is uh, led by Avery Springer, who's the guitarist and, and the vocalist. And uh, an interesting thing that I, I read about uh, this band is that right before they released their very first EP in like 2016, 2017, something, um, I don't know what their band name was before, but they, whatever it was, it was an existing band and they got a cease and desist being like, hey, fuck you, you can't use this band name. Wow. So they had to switch to Retirement Party like right before they they debuted any of their music. Do you think they called it Retirement Party because they were retiring their old name? Genius. <laughs> I don't know if that's why. Genius. It does say... Uh, while Sh- while Springer Avery Springer the the vocalist was on a two hour line for the Minions ride in Universal Studios, wow. that's when they landed on the name Retirement Party. Wow, wow. As you probably guessed, it wasn't really my thing, but I, I feel like I feel like while it isn't a song that I would really listen to or like enjoy on my own or like in its recorded form, I do yeah. feel like. I I understand that it is full of energy and like brightness and I do feel like if I met a friend and they were like if I made a new friend they were like hey I'm I'm having a show or no not a new friend not a new friend but an old friend that I really loved and they were like I'm having a show like please come to my like my basement show like with my band re- retirement party and I went and I'd had like couple beers and i loved this friend and then they performed this song i would be really proud of them you know like i i would get i would and i would understand the i would get the feeling you know and i feel that way about a lot of different like rock and then like emo leaning music of like okay i think that if i was like hearing a very well performed version of this on a night when i felt like a lot of abandon i could really vibe with this genre you're saying it requires you to to grant it a lot of there's a lot of hedging here it's not like you don't like it but like if you love the person making it you would like it which is sort of like i would it's i don't know but but i think that's because this genre like i think that speaks to the fact that people have very different things that they take away from music like my impression of my friends who really like rock like i think there's a very i i i'm guessing they have a very different experience when they listen to music and i think there are like things that they they take they get things out of music that i don't really look for in music and and i think those feelings like include like thrill and and that 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 feelings that the drum on drums on this song bring you know like that the drums on this song they evoke these feelings of like you know like gabe used some sort of word of just like they feel really big and grand and like uh, encompassing and like that's a feeling i don't really like look for in music when i'm listening to music i find that it like distracts me or makes me gets like makes me feel too overwhelmed so this when i think hard about like what i like and don't like about this song it makes it clear to me that it's not that it's a bad song that's why i don't like it it's just that it evokes feelings that for me i don't look for in music how do you either of you feel about music that is sonically overwhelming in general positively negatively 
Right. <laughs> I need. I would need all these other things to be in a mindset when, where I'm ready to like really accept rock. And I feel that way with like whenever I'm like at you know at a basement show and everyone's like really rocking out and stuff. Like I feel like five minutes of just like woo release, you know. Uh, similarly with like really intense dance music like all those things I think they require you to be like ready to just release okay so I do think there's something about music that comes from Chicago that really requires like full attention um and is not easy listening and I tend to lean more towards music that doesn't require a lot of me to experience but Unfortunately, I've been forced into enjoying this genre (laughs) or this quality of music that really (laughs) takes up a lot of your attention. I think like rock, punk, those types of things really take up a lot of your attention. I also think music that I've come to really love since I moved to Chicago is house music, which I think is really only good in a very specific circumstance. But when you are in that circumstance, it's like, it's perfect. It's exactly what you want, and you can analyze it from there, but it's so hard to analyze outside of that context. And that is how I feel about this song that you've brought mm. from Retirement Party. Um, it's kind of hard for me to analyze it outside of the context of like a live performance or um, in a basement. It's hard for me to get into that world, and um, I would really like to experience it in that context someday so I could really truly hear it (laughs) you know that reminds me a lot of like in terms of like my own personal relationship to rock or like indie rock and that whole sound like what you mentioned about like this sounding like it comes from a specific place and the fact that this band's from chicago like the fact that that plays a part into like in in the listening experience of this song that reminds me a lot of how like I realized I kept coming across like rock music that I really liked or like indie rock that I really liked and then finding out those bands are from Philadelphia. I think like especially with this genre like a band's origin city or like the city that they are making music for the city where they learned about music like very often feels like a thread and like through line within their their work and like that's like something that I think is very special about this genre that you can often like if you're from a city and this band is from the city and they're making music you just feel like they made they make music for like for you or for your experience or for your youth and that's something that I feel very strongly about like I think I can see how like if this band were from Philly and it sounded a little bit more like Philly indie rock that you know like that we hear with like those specific philly bands like i would really be into it because i would have that emotional attachment so that's a very interesting factor about like yes you know that i think is relevant to like every band that like hails from a specific city and is like making sound for those people well okay the sound this um band really or the song that andrew brought it reminded me of um kississippi which is a hmm. philadelphia like kind of like emo emo influenced rock musician um but i have this like affinity towards kississippi even though it's like so not my genre at all but i think it is like that it's that philadelphia slight influence that (laughs) makes all the difference to me so uh, i was not living in philly for about five years when i was in college and then the year after college 
And then I moved back to Philly and I've been here for a year and a half plus, almost nearly two years now. Um, and that that is the time when I've really gotten back into, actually, before that, when I was in Montana and I was missing Philly is when I really started getting back into this sort of the like grungier, like, philly scene uh which i think even though this is from chicago this fits in genre wise and so i think that is like it's definitely that's definitely a big reason why i got into it and i just sort of followed that thread and got fully into the genre now and now it's uh in some ways divorced from philadelphia but i i think that's that's true that 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 was sort of my doorway into it was missing philly and enjoying myself in philly Uh, Gabe, what do you have for us this week? This is Pastel Purple from Zelma Stone off her new EP, Dreamland. If I listen closely, I can hear her voice behind my throat. And I find what hurts the most is not. So, Zelma Stone. She is Chloe Zelma Studebaker, um, out of the Bay Area, currently recording and performing, well, not live, I guess, but uh, in San Francisco. She, this whole album is not necessarily intensely sad, but um, all centered around the idea of grief. Um, she's had like a really, fairly brutal 10 years, according to her biography, where her older brother died, and then her mom died, and then her best friend died in the ghost ship fire, mm. which was in Oakland, where the the, the big um, the venue burned down. Yeah, um, while she was at Berkeley, so a lot of her music is centered around death and coping with death. And this song, uh, I think, also follows in that thread. And uh, I thought it was beautiful. Um, it's not my favorite album of the week by any means, but it is. Um, really good, and this is one of my favorite songs that I found, and I really like the lyrics. The thing that probably most pops to me though is the guitars, yeah, which remind me a lot of the War on Drugs. Speaking of Philly bands, yeah, and the and the use of like reverb and sonic space on the song. I I really enjoyed this this EP. I listened to all of it when, after you sent us this song this morning. Yeah, and I think there, there's, it's, um, it's clearly all about, <laughs> about grief. It's pretty upsetting at times when you listen to the lyrics, but it's also really, I, I think the, the nice thing about it is that it's not just completely mired in grief, is that it's, because it's not just about like I am sad. It's a, it's like coming to terms with things, um, which is always a better angle I think for art than just wallowing in the in the sadness or, or whatever the emotion may be. Yeah, actually that's something she brings up. I found an interview that she did with um, noise pop, which runs a bunch of San Francisco concerts um, talking about how she didn't want to fall into the, just like everything sucks and is sad and is terrible. And more like as an exploration of what it, 
of why she's sad and and what it means and and um in this song it feels like a kind of an exploration of sort of the afterlife i'm not sure exactly but that's what it comes across to me and and the idea of um a person leaving some sort of a legacy um that she was trying to capture in her music I really like the last track on this EP. I know that's obviously, it's not the one that you picked, um, but um, it's called We're All Gonna Die. Great title. Uh, I think it was actually, it's not eligible, right? I think it was previously Yes, it released. was a single, right? Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, it gave me strong uh, Angel Olsen vibes, which some of the, the rest of the album did, but I think that one the most uh, really felt like an Angel Olsen track. Maybe not as recent an Angel Olsen track, but an older one. It's very good. But hey, I can see her dancing Sweet pastel purple Sweet, sweet lady glow And hey um, Another cool thing I wanted to point out, which I found out, was that um, this was recorded at a San Francisco studio called Tiny Telephone, which great name for a studio, by the way, who has worked, I think their biggest artist they've worked with is Friend of the Pod, um, Tune Yards. But their hallmark is that they will only record on tape still. Um, they refuse to use any digital equipment, so all of their recording and editing is on tape. I don't know. It, it feels like one of those things where it's like, yeah, maybe that's contributing to some of like the great sonic sound that I'm feeling, but also maybe I'm imagining that. But it's a cool fun fact either way. What if it's that easy to say? And what if she was leading the way? We will follow you home. Rachel, what sort of projects have you been working on recently in this time of plague and famine? Mm. <laughs> time of plague and famine. Um, something that's been really getting me, getting me out of plague famine vibes um, has been um, I'm working on my first ever fan fiction. And I know that's kind of a genre that's kept to teenagers. And um, I just feel like I kind of missed out. So I'm diving into that world right now. And that's been really fun tell us more <laughs> yeah give us some teasers yeah so as all of you know i like to draw and i draw comics so it's a uh, mostly visual um but it was inspired i went to a courtney barnett concert in january i was really moved by her style um she has this way of performing that's a uh, very confident very cool she uh, really shreds and I thought that was really cool so um, I wrote a fan fiction about how I wish she was my girlfriend <laughs> uh, <laughs> I basically detail my experience at the concert and then in the fan fiction we make eye contact like at the concert and then after the show she gives me her phone number and that's um, pretty much most of it 
But what's been really fun is remembering my experiences with live music. I don't know when we're all going to get to experience that again. Um, but it's I'm like imagining myself like in a crowd, which feels unfamiliar. I'm imagining myself just kind of getting swept away in a vibe, you know. And it might be a while till we experience that again. But um, it's been fun to relive it um, via this age-old medium <laughs> of fan fiction <laughs> um so this has been keeping me busy the uh comic it should be 20 pages and it'll be out next month how will it be out well i'll be sending them in the mail um so i guess i have to find a way to print them um here it's gonna get kind of old school with my mom's printer but i'll find a way but yeah um rachel if if one of our listeners wanted to get a copy is there any way for them to do that if they don't know you explicitly absolutely they can find me via instagram my handle is paulier girlfriend spelled p-a-l-l-y-r-g-r-l-f-r-n-d great we'll drop that in the show notes so that nobody has to remember that (laughs) hey soraya you have been quite busy with this time um we talked a little bit last week about your new single, Like Water, that you put out and produced a film of. Do you want to talk to us about that or about any other projects that you have in the works? Sure. For the past month, I've been working on four different projects, um, and two are now finished, which is really exciting. Um, one of them was Like Water, which I'd love to talk to you about now that I'm realizing that was what the question was about. Um, the second was a project I just finished last night. It was called Friend Messages. It was a personal project, but I, it was the project where I sent a message to each of my friends, and I thought it was going to just telling them why I appreciate them, and I thought it was going to take me, like, three days, and it took me ten months. So it, like, awe... As I was working on it, definitely became much more of a creative project than I thought it would because it required a lot of like mental discipline that like I've only ever devoted like it required a mindset I've only ever devoted to like my more creative projects. So it felt like um, even though it wasn't something that I was gonna like share with everybody at the end. Um, it felt important to finish because I felt like it was teaching me a lot about art and a lot about discipline. And a lot about, like, changing your concept of what a project has to look like. Just a lot of things regarding practice. So Like Water, which we previewed on the show last week, um, is your new song um, that's available on Spotify and I guess wherever you do your streaming and also YouTube. Um, You have a wonderful accompanying video. Can you tell us anything about that creative process? Um, how you decided on, it looks like it was filmed in Longwood Gardens. Um, where did that all come from? That was a very interesting process uh, because when I finished recording the song, I had all these fantasies about what the video could look like. I very quickly decided I wanted to make a video. Um, I was kind of hell-bent on it, like featuring, like, having me in it and like having my face in it because I had found that like if I'm if I put my music or my art like if I if I if I put my music over um like footage of my face 
people online are way more interested in engaging with it, which is, like, a very unfortunate truth, but, like, the algorithm and just, like, people in general will, like, stick around and feature you more if they, if you're, if you're, I don't know, like, if there's just, like, this additional element of engagement, which is just, like, I'm looking at Soraya, um, as I, like, look at, as I experience this thing that she created, so I was, like, okay, well, I really want people to listen to this song, like, I guess I gotta make a video with my face in it, which felt very intimidating, because it wasn't really my vision for, like, how to, you know, for, for, that didn't feel like what this song was about, um, but it felt like something that was necessary if I was going to be able to share it with people, so I, like, envision like I made this whole like plan for how I was going to create this like two week long shoot and one of the one of the one of those days was going to be devoted to like getting footage along with gardens and then there was going to be this other shoot where I was like naked and swathed in like silky cloth and like all this stuff and um I felt like that would make the project a lot more accessible to people sort of a Moses Sumney sort of yeah, like that, honestly, that vibe, like I was just like, pan, like I was, you know, I was like, zoom in slowly over my naked figure, and I'm in front of like, this wall made of flowers, and like, I just had all these like, grand visions for how to, because <laughs> I, I felt like nervous to have my face in it, I felt like if the shot looked really cool, then it would excuse the fact that it was, I had made this music video featuring myself, so I like, had this like, big plan for what this video was going to look like, I went and took the but we started running into like a lot of logistical problems and I'd like taken the long, I went and got the Longwood Gardens footage and I went back home that night and I took the Longwood footage and I like put it, I like dropped it into some editing software with just the song underneath and I was looking at all the raw footage with just the song and thinking, okay, well, this is, like, a fir- great first step, like, this is gonna lo- look good with, like, everything else, like, once I get everything else together, like, this will look pretty neat, and then my friend, like, came up behind me, and, like, was looking at it, and was, like, wow, I really think that's all you need, like, that's, that's it, and that was really clarifying, especially because I have larger dreams about filming a movie at Long Gardens, and it's, like, one of my favorite places, and uh, my friend was kind of saying, like, you're always talking about creating odes to Longwood Gardens. Like, this is, like, the perfect place to start. And it really did feel like, like, as, as much a love letter to that place as it was, you know, a love letter to, like, you know, the person that I wrote this love song about, you know. So it was, like, <laughs> it was very great. And I also think, like, Longwood Gardens is something that reminds me so much of home and makes me so homesick. And this was a song that I wrote while I was in Philly. So the combination of those two, it just felt like they were really two vibes that were in sync. Do you want to tell us at all about the lyrics um or do you are you do you prefer to leave that to the listener that i I, this is something that i've talked to andrew about because andrew is kind of like the only person who has been present for this project from the very beginning up until the very end i wrote this i wrote the first part of this song and like recorded it and immediately just sent it to andrew the night that i recorded it and he had a lot of like interesting feedback at that time because first version of this song was just the first verse and chorus and I waited like maybe two weeks before I like finished it and I wrote the rest of it with a team of of friends and other musicians. My emotions were complete about the song and about the situation that I was like writing the song about and stuff and like also my emotions about where I was in my life they were like completely different in the time that I wrote that first verse and chorus to like when I like 
when I finished the song, like completely different headspaces. But when I wrote the first half of the song, it was like livid and angry, and like the lyrics feel very harsh in that sense, and I think they're very earnest about like that emotion that I'm feeling. And then as um, the song progresses, they grow a lot more like sentimental and wistful and soft and and kind and kind of forgiving and that that transition feels kind of like you like you can kind of feel it and that was my uh that's like one of the things that I really love about that song I think like if you're kind of tuned into what's into the lyrics and kind of those emotional spaces you can see that like you I I really transition from one feeling to another yeah, I feel like that's uh, a, pers- a perspective on writing really good music that you don't hear a lot. Like, I feel like the the story that you hear all the time is like, ah, I wrote this in one night and then I then we record it and we put it on the album and it's like my top single ever. And that's certainly mm-hmm. one way to do things. But it's really interesting to hear the other thing was like, I'm glad that I waited because it got a lot better and a lot more interesting and a lot more happy with it. Thank you for sharing that with us, Soraya. Again, on Spotify under Sarai Perry, like water. Um, we will also drop the YouTube link down in the show notes so that y'all can uh, follow up. Um, Sorry, if we wanted to follow you on all of your musical exploits or artistic exploits, what would be the best way to do that? You can listen to my music, um, or at least this song, um anywhere on any streaming service i also just made a band camp so you can find me on there after Ooh. gabe recommended that i make one um you can also find smaller projects and different tinkerings and experiments on my instagram and that's my name soraya perry thank you soraya and thank you rachel for coming on the show this week um happy birthday rachel thank you so much uh, thank you both for coming on Oh, thank you for thank having you for me. Having me. Don't seem like you're always by my side. I'm just getting it by with my guy and my pride. Um, any other great music that we should talk about this week? Um, yes, there is. There was a a good uh new single from what's her name? Courtney Marie Andrews. Um, I was very into it. Called Burlap String. Lido Pimienta um released a record called Miss Columbia that I desperately wanted to bring a song off of, but all of the songs that I really, really, really loved that I thought would be good for the podcast also were all released as singles and I missed them when they originally came out. And now like I was listening to this record yesterday and like getting those tingles down my spine during certain sections and ugh, so good. There was a, a new album by uh, Rima Sawayama, um, some, so, mm-hmm. sorry, Sawayama, which is not super my vibe, but is a good out. Al- it's like, I don't know. You and I were talking about actually the four of us, sorry, and Rachel also were talking about like, what's the difference between songs that you like and songs that are good. Um, And I think we touched on that a little bit when we were talking about my new tune or when Soraya was, but yeah, this is an example of an album that I don't really vibe with, but I think is very good and you should check it out. Um, I ran across a little EP from a Canadian group called soap opera um, titled be fine, um, which is like psych 
Psychedelia, it sounds like almost like a little more like earlier Tame Impala before it got so polished. I mean, I really like it. Yeah, there's another uh, psychedelic kind of album from Das Cope. That's Cope with a K uh, called Where I Live that I was into. And Ed O'Brien, the guitarist from Radiohead, released his solo debut uh, titled Earth, which I really vibed with. And the last track on the album is a amazing duet with laura marling who we discussed a little last week as well yeah he's uh under the name eob we should say a much anticipated and much pushed up release dropped on friday in the form of fiona apple's new record titled fetch the bolt cutters we talked a little bit about this beforehand how we didn't want to bring any of the songs because it is Fiona Apple. A lot of people know who she is. She's getting a ton of press coverage as it is. But this album, Andrew, is stunning. Yeah, it's pretty intense and incredible. Okay, so her music in general is like this, but especially this record. It's so arresting. One of these albums that I put on and I can't, I can't do anything else when I'm listening to it. Yeah. This is it. Like, I tried to, like, I listened to it once all the way through. I was like, this is so good. I'm just going to put it on while I do another thing. And then I stopped doing the other thing because I was just like, yeah, this is just, like, let's just do this again. Yeah. Her use of, I guess you'd call it household percussion. I don't know. <laughs> uh, like, dogs and boxes and tables. Is a dog a percussion instrument? I know we've gotten into this before. <laughs> well, I think in the context of. Uh, this record, dog would a dog would be considered tuned percussion. I think that's only if you're hitting the dog. Well, I mean, look, I don't see anything that says no dogs are harmed in the making of this record, but maybe there should be a disclaimer. Yeah. So the the title track. So the idea of fetch the bolt cutters that Fiona Apple uh, is uh, using this for um, is sort of like. Uh, just get yourself out of there. Like, it's time to just, like, cut the... Like, it's a, a lot of it is about uh, sexual assault and sexual abuse and abuse in general and um, uh, your in- internal, uh, like, like mental health issues with your, like, self-image and things like that um, and how all those things play with each other. Um, and so the idea of Fetch the Bolt Cutters is, like, it's time to fucking break out of this whatever this is um uh fucking end it so fiona apple has been intentionally self-isolating herself for years now um and i think it can also be read as a i'm i'm done with being cooped up with my feelings and, and uh, like both the physical the physical isolation that was caused by emotional isolation and breaking out of both of those. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That does make sense. Um, it is a really intense album. Yeah. There are, I think um, sexual assault content warning is uh, at play here. Yes. I don't know. I, this, this album really, I, I think it is, is one where it is overwhelming. It is something that, it's necessary and it, it you kind of don't have a choice when you start listening to this album like you said to, you can't really do anything else you kind of just have to sit with it or else you it doesn't it doesn't work 
And yeah, I just, I found it incredibly powerful. There are particular tracks from this album that I really enjoyed. But honestly, like we often say on this show, I think it's it's best to just sit down, listen to this whole album and take it as one cohesive um, piece of really like powerful art and and catharsis and call to action at the same time. It's, it's a whole lot of things all at once. So that's our show for the week. Um... Probably a touch too long, but there we have it nonetheless. Thanks for listening. We will be back with our next episode on Tuesday, April 28th. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Fresh Pressed Pod, um, or you can listen to a playlist of all of our picks from the week on Spotify, which we leave in the show notes. Please go check out our friends' work whose links we will also leave in the show notes. But for now, I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. And you've been listening to Fresh Pressed. Fresh Pressed.